We're going to break down what stadium leases are for you guys. The Bulls are not picking in the NBA draft lottery at all because they got Nikola Vucevic. Really smart move by Arturis Karsinovas. I hope I'm not butchering his name, but this isn't a Bulls podcast. It's a Bears podcast. What's going on, guys? Welcome to the Fireside Bears podcast brought to you by Empire Sports Media. You can follow us on Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, and TikTok at Fireside Bears. Listen up. Go check out Audacia Sports, our sponsor. They have some really cool Justin Field stickers. I know I got a set ship to AJ's house as well. So go get your Justin Field stickers because everyone's repping everything QB1 in Chicago. Um, speaking of repping stuff, listen, make sure you are following all of us on social media. You can follow me on Twitter, YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok at Usaid Koshal. You can follow AJ on Twitter at AJ Desai Fort. Sam's at his girlfriend's mom's house right now. I'm pretty sure, like, cooking dinner for his girlfriend's mom. All right. What an incredibly good, like, I don't even know what I should say. Just a good dude in general. Sam's a very good dude in general for doing that. So, like, his girlfriend's mom doesn't have to, like, cook dinner for tonight. All right. It's a very good guy in Sam. But enough with that. What's going on, boss? How you doing? Doing good, boss, man. You know, I mean, obviously, there's more rumblings going on with the Soldier Field and all of that. Uh, the Bears just, the Bears PR group just announced a partnership with Bet Rivers. Um, company i guess that's what it's called now um so i mean it's a step in the direction you know i don't really follow the clickbait saying like the bears are far far away you know the only person well if i can rephrase myself the only people that can really force this move is the bears ownership with the help of the nba and with the help of the nfl i was about to say the nba but it's actually the nfl but yeah but if the NFL's on their side and they do this, it's going to end up like, I mean, like, why would they, why would they do a partnership? You know, they're Honestly, not going to put a casino at, um, in the city. I mean, are they? No, they, the thing. Okay. So I think the bigger picture here is this before we get into breaking down what Elise is, cause we're just going to break that down. Cause you want to, but ultimately when you look yeah. at it, like you realize that Arlington Heights property, we established this on last week's podcast. And speaking of last week's podcast, hey, listen, we dropped two episodes. One of them was with Fox 32's very own Caitlin Sharkey. Go check that out. It's like a 35 to 40 minute interview. A lot of really good stuff. Now, when you look at the situation, we know all the basic facts. Okay. Soldier Field owned by the city, not the Bears. That's a problem with the Bears because effectively, when you don't own the stadium in the NFL, what happens is this, is that you are allowing the city and the local county to basically control what you can and can't do. And that does not benefit you as an ownership because you're actually losing money in the process of playing at Soldier Field because you're paying, what? what is it like, how many million dollars per year, dude? So what I found, um, and it was, it was a screenshot um, on a recent article, it was $6.45 million. Now, if they were to just like pick up and leave, it says, okay, all right, uh, the CPD did not, res- uh, did not respond to a request for information regarding the total bill of these financial obligations. But according to the team's lease, that includes a permit, for permit fees, $6.3 million annually per Sport- Sports Illustrated plus any other fees, right? Now, while they don't know the other fees and how much the expenses might be, the park district, I mean, well, they know, right? So they're saying if the Bears want to just terminate this entire thing, right? You say 6.3 times 150% 
and the 150% is a termination. So that's 9.45 million that they would have to pay for, I think, 10 more, 10 more years. And it's at least $94.5 million due to the CPD, which is a Chicago Park District. So really the number is $6.3 million a year is what they're paying the city. Okay, so let's do this. If and we'll get into the whole like betting partnership stuff in just a moment here. But if you look at Arlington Heights, it's the the property itself, the race course is 326 acres. I said this last week that what you could do with that is build sim- something similar to what Jerry Jones built in Frisco, Texas with the Ford Center, which is the Cowboys like team facility. They've got like hotels, practice fields, all that type of stuff. So what you're doing with that is basically saying now my whole vision with Arlington Heights, this is you build like a mini bears Mecca. And I wrote about it on fireside bears, our official website too. So what you're doing there is this is you build a little bears Mecca. And what you're going to be able to do in that is bring in so much more money with all the hotels and restaurants and retail shops because people would want to invest there knowing that we're always going to be getting business year round. But also let's add this layer to it. There's 32 owners in the NFL. Okay. And the reality of the situation is that these guys, their teams, their teams and head coaches, they compete on the field. But if you're an owner, you're just trying to do whatever is best for you in terms of making profits. So if you are one of the financial gurus in the NFL, like let's just say a Jerry Jones, for example, or Stan Kroenke, who owns the LA Rams. If you're one of these guys, or even the family that owns the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, all right, Shad Khan even, all right, these guys got money. If you're one of these guys, you're all on board with Chicago having a new stadium and them owning it because you know that, damn, you know what? Third biggest market in the country, now having what a lot of people hope is a future franchise quarterback in Justin Fields and someone that could develop into the face of the NFL in a couple of years alongside Patrick Mahomes, as well as them finally getting their own stadium, that increases revenue across the board for everybody. So if you're one of the 32 owners, you're automatically, if you'd be stupid, basically, when the votes come up at the owners meeting in April next year, you'd be stupid to vote against this, which means that, Everyone in the NFL should be on board with the Bears moving to Arlington Heights because the owners know that's going to be more money that's funneled back into the league, which is going to be more money for all 30, 31 other teams besides including the Bears, I should say. That was an excellent point right there, man. I mean, you talk about this is the founding franchise of the NFL. I mean, you know, I mean, before, I mean, if you look back in history a little bit or Arizona and I think Chicago in the same, t- uh, same city and they have to move out to Arizona, but like, you know, like, you know, they were at the same same year and stuff. And I think the Chicago Bears were just uh, just there before the Arizona, well, the Chicago Cardinals back then. But, you know, and then the Bears at the time were the Decatur St- uh, Staley's at the time. So, you know, being the founding franchise and just having a sparkling stadium as you're looking over a suburban part of the city isn't bad, you know? I mean, like... I mean, look, there's a, there's an argument about the whole New York Giants and New York Jets thing. There's an whole argument about, like, why uh, the Los Angeles Rams don't play in L.A. Why do they play in Inglewood? You know, that's starting to gain some steam, too. Um, you know, um, same thing with the Los Angeles Chargers. Why aren't they building, like, a big, huge stadium in the city center right next to Staples? Well, because there's no room. And, you know, that just brings up the point that, like, you can't demo – 
what's at Soldier Field right now, like take apart all the structures. That takes a lot of time. You know, it took them two years to put all the structures together. Taking it down just might take a little bit longer too. You know, demolition takes longer than putting things together. All right. You can't just put TNT around Soldier Field, and just watch it fall because there's a busy street next to it. And there's a lot of people living there. So, I mean, all of the stuff in, that you inhale is not good for the city. So they have to take it down brick by brick. So the Bears can't wait that long. And they certainly cannot pay something that's like $6.3 million for limited parking, hard ways to get out of the of the parking lot. And like, you know, as a season ticket holder, well, former season ticket holder, it's been difficult sometimes. Sometimes you get lucky, sometimes you don't. But the people that that park all the way at the back where you can see the McCormick Center, I do feel their pain because they get out two hours later after the whistle blows. So, you know, I'm getting all, I'm getting off of the rail here a little bit, but you know, it's something that should excite fans, but it's also, you know, this, this whole betting partnership, we can just transition into it right now. You say it if you wanted to, um, you know, I think that could be good. Yeah, like you know, it's like like I said earlier um, when we begin when we begin the podcast, it's just a step in the right direction for the Bears to move to Arlington Heights. Yeah, and it's the same thing with this betting partnership because sports gambling is basically what's going to come out of this. And it's one of the things that's now legalized in Illinois. And traditionally, I mean, I don't bet. I know that you bet, but what typically tends to happen is that if you want to place any sort of bet, you've always had to go through a third party. There's never any direct pipeline, but now with this, the bears as well as bet rivers and rivers casino announcing this exclusive partnership. What is happening is this, is that the, now you're going to have a direct pipeline, which is also going to mean more money for the McCaskies. And I find this to be very interesting considering the timing of things. I mean, we were sitting here, it was like a week or a week and a half ago, and you get the news that, well, the Bears are putting in a bid on Arlington Heights. And now a week later, this comes out. And I could ultimately see something where these guys decide if the Bears go through with Arlington Heights, what will ultimately end up happening is that um, you will see something regarding a whole other like bet rivers and like casino being built on the stadium because it's a direct affiliation now. And guess what? If you're the CEO of bet rivers, you know what? Or the co-founder Neil Blum, you're realizing, damn, I have a prime opportunity on my hands here because this could start paving the way for more NFL teams to enter into direct partnerships with casinos. Some people don't know, like way back in the 80s, um, Neil Blum tried to buy the remaining 19.7%. So what happened in the situation was, I guess, like, I don't know if you want to say burned or pushed aside. I wouldn't use any of those either two terms. You know, um, the Bet Rivers Casino, um, 62, what, 64% of it's owned by Churchill Downs. And the rest of it is earned by Rush Street Capital, who happens to be a coincidence, the CEO of the firm, Neil Blum. So uh, kind of a thing. But then again, you say you said it perfectly. You know, it's a chance for him to go get a piece of ownership of the team. If the McCaskies are willing to give up some of their shares, which I don't see why not. 
you know, I mean, you still you still would be majority owners and you would be opening the door up to like, you know, uh, Neil Blum's family running the franchise. I don't know, because, you know, we haven't had that much luck with McCaskies. So why not? Why, why wouldn't you just pass the torch on? Let other people try to experiment things and see what they can do. Because it seems like, you know, if, if the Bears are making this move and I don't want to like, you know, start assuming like what the McCaskies are going to do, if they're going to sell it. I, I still think the McCaskies are going to own the team. I just think they're going to step aside after the statement savings bill because like, come on, Virginia is going to approach the age. I think George McCaskey might take a step back. I mean, I think the only person in the whole front office might be remaining is Ted Phillips because he just wants to make money. I, I just don't see the McCaskies in the game any longer after the stadium is built. And that, that thing's going to be built in like 2025 or 2026. So this is like long-term speaking. So, I mean, if you welcome Neil Blum back into the picture, great. You know, welcome some other investors back in the picture if they want a share of the Bears, you know. But, like, this is what's going to happen, you know. I mean, if if Bet Rivers are trying to get, like, a partnership in, like a multi-year exclusive partnership, you say, but I bet my money the stadium's name's going to be Bet Rivers Field. Honestly, that's totally fine as well. Because fine with me. Being... Yeah, it's going to be you more own money. It? Yeah. It's it's going to be more money, man, like going back into the Bears' pocket. I also think that in terms of the future of the ownership here, because I know the McCaskies own 80%, I think it's Andrew McKenna who's on like the board of directors at Northwestern or something. He's like a Northwestern alum, but he owns oh, their remaining- Ryan. No, both of them are actually. Sorry, my bad. Yeah, so these guys own like the other 20% of the Bears. And I find that to be a really interesting tidbit because those two guys, as smart as they are combined with Neil Blum, would make for probably, I want to say, dude, the most powerful ownership group in the NFL. I mean, hands down more powerful than Jerry, but also you mentioned 2025 and 2026, dude, here's my honest thoughts. And this goes back to the 31 other owners. If you're the 31 other owners in the NFL, you know what? You should not be sitting on your hands by any means. You should be pushing. You should even be pushing the league to go ahead and push the Chicago owners. So that you're in a situation where you can get this stadium built as soon as possible because the problem with the NFL is that there's such a financial gap and such a divide. You have these big market teams like Chicago, for example, that can rake in money easily, but then there's also these irrelevant like small market teams like the Jacksonville Jaguars, for example, who literally have to invest in their downtown and invest in the area around downtown to go ahead and rake in money. Ultimately, if you're a small market team, you're realizing that the third biggest market, the third biggest, yeah, the third biggest market in the US having a brand new stadium is going to benefit these small market teams regardless. So everyone should be pushing for the Bears to get a new stadium. And it's not even necessarily a foreign concept. It's just with a new stadium, it's not even about the new stadium. It's just accessibility, the services, the amenities that are going to be available. Can you make stuff like parking easier? If you do something like that, you know what? The Bears have a real opportunity here with a new stadium to change the game because it would be the, now that you have Neil Blum in the picture, it would legitimately be the biggest and baddest stadium in the NFL. I mean, people think the Raiders and the Rams got cool stadiums. Look, the Rams stadium is nice because it's huge. The Raider Stadium is nice because it's the first time. The Raider Stadium, basically what it marks is this, is it marks the presence of the NFL in Las Vegas, which is something that's never happened before. And let's be real, Vegas is a great vacation spot and stuff, but 
the reality of the situation with Vegas is that there's never they're still building up an NFL like the presence of a full NFL team there. Whereas in Chicago, you have it pretty much anywhere and everywhere. I mean, you got pe- dude. There's people on Bears Twitter that are from freaking Japan that stay up till like three in the morning watching the games. That's how massive the Bears fan base is. It's one of the few fan bases where there's an international reach. So if you're one of the 31 other owners, you better be pushing for this and pushing for this hard. I think, uh, you know, 32 owners. I mean, we, we obviously vote in favor, but I think you just need what 17 to pass the resolution, right? 17 to 16. I'm not sure how the voting works in the NFL owners, owner meetings and stuff, but like, you know, you know, this is just a question of like how you can make the league better. And, you know, and like, you know, when Atlanta built a new stadium, when Oakland built a new stadium, when LA built a new stadium for both, for both their teams, you know, everyone got decent size, some ownership um, votes into it, you know, over 20, 25 plus votes. I don't, I don't think the voting will be an issue. I just think, I don't think anything can be an issue for the Bears in this situation. I mean, like, you know, all these people, the mayor can just sit there and she can say whatever she wants, but she doesn't control what the Bears do. Like, like I was talking to a guy on Twitter, like um, Pace is the GOAT or something like that. He used to be Sun Devil Bears fan. I think he was in law school out in Arizona, and we were just talking about, like, how this stuff works and, you know, how, how a lease normally works. And, like, you know, like, to be honest, the Chicago Park District, let, let's be real. It's not the ownership's fault for them not building a good stadium, all right? They worked with what the Park District can give them. But it's so hard to negotiate with the government entity. Like, you know, like I think the Chicago Bears is the only stadium that's that is controlled by a government entity. I can't think of anything else that's like uh, that's controlled by like or at any um or at any NFL stadium in this uh, in in the league that's controlled by a government entity. I can I can maybe think about something, but like just to just to like blank, I don't think anything is like NRG is owned by the McNair family. Like the Cowboys Stadium is owned by Jerry Jones. Like maybe maybe State Farm Stadium, but I think Bidwell ended up buying that before he passed. So I mean, going back to the whole negotiations of like government entities, like you got to think about that. Like how are the Bears negotiating with the Park District? You know, I read an article where there, I where the Bears put up from the six hundred and eighty-five million dollar renovation, they put up two hundred million dollars of the renovation. You know, and like it's true. You know, Chicago, the Chicago Bears ownership, like the McCaskies part of it, they're cash strapped. They are, and that's that's where we we're talking about the future of ownership. That like who can bring in money, and that's what you're we talking about. Um, you say like if you bring Neil Blum into the picture it makes this ownership group even more powerful because now not only you just have the money to build a new stadium, you have more money to put yourself out there as a team in Chicago. It, it won't matter if you're in Chicago or Arlington Heights. Hell, the Bears played at Soldier Field for 30 years. Before that, they were at Wrigley Field for 60 years. So what's really their home, Wrigley or Soldier Field? Yeah, those are excellent points. I'm twisting sure. a lot of thoughts into it, but. Well, you're not wrong. This is one of the things we aim to do on here is just cover everything from every single angle. But it just goes back to all this is that when you talk about these government entities, we have to understand. And again, I studied political science for a couple of years. 
what tends to happen is this is there's too many competing and conflicting interests right now in Chicago and Lori Lightfoot is an issue, but let's just be real. I mean, she's not really the issue because theoretically, if the Bears wanted to, George and Virginia could just weed these guys out of the picture. Really weed Lori out and be like, hey, we're not going to renew our lease. We are moving somewhere else. We're just going to buy this thing out. So Lori's not the problem. The problem is when you're dealing with these government entities, there's so many competing, competing issues that you're going to have group a that's just like oh well let's put this money into soldier field let's go and upgrade it let's do all this stuff but then you're gonna have group b which is going to be talking about yeah you know what that's great and all but why would we throw all this money into this big building that is only active for let's just say or guaranteed to be active for eight games out of the year with the bears home games forget the chicago fire games forget the Taylor Swift concerts and all that stuff because they use the United right. Center more right. for that type of stuff. But the point is, mm-hmm. is they there's so many competing interests right now, which is why the Bears do kind of have their hands tied, but they can also untie them by just e- very easily saying, hey, listen, we're going to go ahead and we're going to not renew the lease. And I will say this. I know a lot of Bears fans are coming at Lori Lightfoot for her statement last week. I'll be honest, that statement was justified, but it was also unjustified. I'll get your thoughts in a moment here. Listen, people, you can be mad at Lori for the politics and stuff, and we're not going to get into the politics on this podcast. But what you can't deny is that she was 110% right when she did say that the stadium needs to, or the ownership needs to quit focusing on a new stadium and focus on being relevant past October and beating the Packers. I'm not even going to lie, dude. That's where Lori's 110% right because the Bears won. Once like October, November hits, they're like relevant, but they're not really relevant. And then they can't beat the Packers. And when you can't do that, you really shouldn't be talking. No. Yeah. I mean, like in, in terms of that, you know, I stand, I stand firm with Mayor Lightfoot on that for sure. But here's the deal. Like, uh, like that's fine. You know, all of that's okay. Like the only thing that bugged me about Mayor Lightfoot was, is that she said that the Bears are using this as a negotiation tactic. No, we're not. We're not using that. I think you're using that for your uh, for your election in a couple of years to try to to try to uh, regain your power as mayor or retain it um, as mayor for the next couple of years. Um, for so on and so forth. But like you know, that's a catastrophic thing. If they if they lose, if the city loses the Bears, that that hurts. That hurts her more than it hurts anybody. You know. So, I mean, that that's like a huge revenue stream that left because no one's going to like have a hotel in Chicago because there's great hotels out there in Harlington Heights. There's like uh, there's like the what the, the like the, I think like the the Crown Plaza out there on the 294 by Elmers or whatever. Like people can people can have a hotel in Naperville now and take a short drive over to Arlington. It's not short. It's like 45 minutes now. Now, like if you let them leave. I think that's why she said that she's trying to save her political career. I don't think it's like, the, I don't think saves the right word. It's just, you know, I mean, that's what politicians do. They try to, you know, they try to butter you up, but you know, ain't no buttering up happening over here. I want to move to Harlem the nights now, but like, you know, I mean, but, but Hey, but Hey, like, you know, what, one of the things is, is like, that's, that's the only thing that she, she, she bugged me about. But other than that, we need to get our acts together. We need to start being green Bay, man. You know, I mean, this is just bullshit, you know? Yeah, it really is. And by the way, side note, if you're in Chicago and they decide to build this new stadium in Arlington Heights, you got a uh, double tree by Hilton, you got a Hampton Inn in Suites, a Holiday Inn, as well as a courtyard mm-hmm. by Marriott. 
They are not paying me to advertise for them, but I just looked it up real quick because, yeah, Arlington Heights is in that weird area where it's about like 90, but yeah. also like 294 because I live like whatever, 25, 30 minutes away from there. It's also like near Mount Prospect as well as Rolling Meadows, a little farther than Schaumburg, which at that yeah. point you're just getting into the western, yeah. or, I'm sorry, not the western suburbs, but the northwest suburbs. And I mean, uh, that's and right. I, that's right. The West Inn, the big hotel there on the interstate, the West Inn. It's like right there, like 10, 15 minutes away. Sorry to interrupt you there, but what were you saying? You're good, dude. But yeah, AJ and I are pretty much in the Western suburbs here in Chicago. Yeah. But dude, moving on from stadium talk and stuff here, we know training camp is a couple of weeks away. Let's break down these running backs, man. I mean, we're sure. going to be previewing a different position every single week. When you look at the running back position, AJ, I mean, it's very simple here. David Montgomery is going to be your dual threat bell cow running back. If this offensive line can get some sort of push, you're going to see a massive year out of David Montgomery. And I predicted this on my TikTok. I said that David Montgomery would have 2,000 yards from scrimmage in 2021, both as coming from rushing and receiving yards. Then you have a guy in Tariq Cohen. Okay, Tariq coming back from the ACL injury. I'm not sure what his status is for training camp. You would hope that he's ready to go because it's been, it will be have been about 10 months once they report to training camp in late July. So with Tariq, really what will happen is this, is that he's going to be your number two guy, but he's also going to be a decoy because you're going to see him flex out into the slot. He's going to be put in special packages. And then CJ Marble, undrafted free agent. Well, he's a player that I think... He's a bowling ball, a really good north-south runner, but you still have to put him on the, um, the practice field. one. Right, practice squad in year one. Okay, Ryan Nall should not even be on the roster, but again, they just keep him around for because he's a good special teams player. Artavius Pierce really showcased some flashes last year of what he could be, but he didn't get enough reps because Ryan Nall was in the way, obviously, and the Bears' new running backs coach is actually from Oregon State, which effectively just means that Ryan Nall and Artavius Pierce are probably making this 53-man roster. Damien Williams, veteran. Listen, he opted out last year with him the whole shebang is this is he's back he's ready to play he said he's like a rookie he's trying to fit in damien williams has been in this offense before he's the reason that the kansas city chiefs won the super bowl in 2019 all right he spent time with the miami dolphins as well as the chiefs so he's going to be an asset as well he does not have a direct tie to matt Nagy. he's got an indirect tie to matt Nagy through eric Bieniemy, andy reed and patrick mahomes and then you have Khalil herbert i believe he was like whatever a fourth or a sixth round pick yeah he was a sixth round pick in the draft this year now Khalil herbert's great because he's legitimately just going to be your return specialist because he averaged about 27 yards per return at Virginia Tech, which is really good because that means that Tariq Cohen won't be back there, which means now Tariq Cohen won't tear his ACL. And the only reason he tore his ACL is because the Bears put him back there. So it's very good to see Matt Nagy and these guys finally learning from their mistakes. It's like the theme of this franchise, dude. They have to learn. The worst stuff has to happen for them to learn and never do dumb stuff again. But what are your thoughts on this running back room, boss? It's a good one. You know, I like I like the running back room a lot. I think it's improved, you know, to get Tariq Cohen back, but I do not want him back there returning punts. I think we got Khalil Herbert for that. So, I mean, and like, you know, even Damian Williams, I still don't want him back either. I mean, I don't think he returned a punt at Kansas City. I think he could be an easily decent fit as a third down back. You know, Matt Nagy likes that a lot. So, I mean, like, I think Damian Williams actually is showing poise to make the roster. Um, the first three, obviously, David Montgomery, um, our bell cow, uh, Tariq Cohen, our out-of-the-back receiver. Um, 
but that's fine. If he if he goes out to the slot and stuff, that's fine. Um, or if he catches passes out of the backfield, that's fine. I just don't want him, like I said, returning punts or kicks. You know, we have Khalil Herbert for that. You know, I talked about Khalil Herbert. Um, I just don't want Ryan Null on the offense I, um, or on my um, on my team or my offense or my practice squad. Um, you know, he just hasn't proven that he's an NFL caliber back. Um, Artavius Pierce is cool, cool, but like you know, um, you know, I do think that like you know, you know, um, it's gonna be it's gonna come down between him or CJ Marable for a practice squad spot. spot. Um, but yeah, you know. CJ Marable is more of a smaller back, um, but he has that quick plant and juke ability. Like if you saw it at Coastal Carolina a little bit, you know, he'll, he'll, he'll stutter step a little bit and move out of your way a little bit. I don't know. Like, you know, he's a little creative with his running. Um, he has practice squad upside. I don't think he has roster upside, but he does have practice on um, pra- practice squad upside. Same thing with Artemis Pierce, you know, um, like, you know, he played more. He played. I think Nall played more snaps than him in the season, um, which I don't think he deserved. Um, but I guess the whole the whole thing is that like they're probably going to keep CJ Marable and Artavius Pierce on our practice squad. Um, if a guy gets hurt, we can pull him up. Um, I don't think Ryan Nall makes the ro- oh, makes the roster or anything on the Chicago Bears. I just want him off my team. Like you know that sequence you said. If you remember, where Matt Nagy. Ran him three times in a row last season. I just can't happen. This can't happen again. I just don't want to see number 32, I think it was, on my team ever again. Like, go away. Go away. Go away. I, I, I don't know. I don't want Ryan on this team anymore. He just doesn't deserve a roster spot. We got all these other good guys or replacements, you know, and no, no disrespect to him, but, like, you know, there's competition now. Either step up or get thrown off. That's honestly what it's going to be. I mean, look, I – do not want Ryan Null here. I would also say this, that we've established this. David Montgomery's RB1, but I will say of these players, I think a guy that could legitimately surprise some people this year and is going to be Damien Williams. I mean, I've had mixed opinions on Damien Williams because he's been in the league since, I think, 2014 or 2015. It does get to a point where as a running back, you there's so much tread on your tires that the older you get, you legitimately begin to slow down. Now, one of my big red flags with Damien is just that he did miss all of last season. So you have to question and wonder, hey, how ready is he going to be, especially as a running back? Because we've seen this before. We've seen guys that end up taking a full season off, and then they come back, especially at the running back position. They're not the same. I mean, just look at what happened with Le'Veon Bell. So really with Damien Williams, it's going to be about how – in shape is he how in football shape is he to determine if he's going to make this roster and you know what you could also make an argument that it's going to be very easy for a guy like Khalil Herbert or Tavius Pierce to possibly knock off Damian Williams I'm not saying it's going to for sure happen but it's something to keep an eye on because this running back room I think outside of Montgomery and Cohen's going to surprise a lot of people but who's one sleeper candidate for you man Definitely, obviously, you know, I, I you know, I got to give Cohen some praise. I think he's going to come back even stronger from the ACL injury. Um, you know, I, I'm going to go with Damian Williams. I think he's going to surprise me a lot. You know, I think he actually, you know, proves a lot of people wrong. Not in terms of like, you know, doubters or anything, but like, you know, uh, taking the year off due to COVID. Um, and I guess maybe he was in the weight room. Um, and, you know, I guess that's why the Chicago, Chicago Bears signed him. You know, I don't think the Chicago Bears would have signed him if, 
you know, if he didn't, if he wasn't healthy and stuff. And I guess he passed the physical for, for us to sign him. So um, it looked like he was in the offseason working up. But, like, you know, like, uh, I haven't seen some that much video from him, but it does look like that, like, if he could stay healthy, uh, I don't think health was a question for the last couple of years. But um, if he can produce the numbers like he did in 2019 in Kansas City's offense, you know, that he has a room on this Bears team. You know, I mean, like he can come on third down on a third and three situation. You can split him out on a pass play. You can get those three, four, five, six easy yards. You know, there was this play where, you know, we thought that he lost three yards in a reception, but he broke free and took it, took it for a touchdown. So, you know, he has that elusiveness and, you know, I like him a lot. You know, I think he's going to surprise us all. I think, you know, people are expecting, you know, guys like um, who's the third third back that was on Khalil Herbert to take his spot. But I think Khalil Herbert is going to be more on the returning duties. I mean, he'll have some space on the third down back abilities. But like, I think that's Damian Williams job um, to lose for right now. Well, and you mentioned roster spots. There's seven guys right now in this running back room. You have Cohen, Herbert, Maribel, Montgomery, Null, Pierce, and Damien Williams. Ultimately, looking at this, let's just break down who's making the roster. I mean, you know Tariq Cohen's making it. You know David Montgomery's making it. Now, the Bears aren't going to carry four, three or four running backs at best. And I say three because I think what happens is you have three on the active roster. But then you decide for your practice squad, you have at least one guy on there. And after Montgomery and Cohen, it's pretty much a toss-up. Because if you go with a third guy, it's going to be Damien Williams. But if you decide to carry four on the active roster, then it's a toss-up between Pierce, Nall, and Khalil Herbert. I do think that there's a situation where you see Khalil Herbert being the fourth guy that makes it solely because you know that if you have Montgomery Williams and Cohen, Khalil Herbert would be your return guy on special teams. And it's just better to have a player back there that has experience returning kicks like Herbert did last season for Virginia tech compared to trying to break in a completely new guy. And if you decide to only carry forward Khalil Herbert's not one of them, and you decide to put Khalil Herbert on the practice squad, let's say, as a rookie, well, then you're going to have to dip into the wide receiver room and have to grab one of those guys. But ultimately, just looking at it, I mean, I'd say they carry four, which would be Montgomery, Cohen, Herbert, and Williams. What do you think? And who are your four? I think the same thing, actually. You know, Montgomery, Cohen, Williams, and Khalil Herbert. I mean, the only reason why you keep Khalil Herbert over Ryan Nolan or Octavius Pierce is because you spent draft capital on him, you know? I mean, and I think he signed his contract. So, I mean, if you cut him, you're, you're facing some obligations in his contract. I mean, you know, the Bears, the Bears, I think, won't do that. I mean, cut someone that signed a four-year deal. I mean, I, I know the, the numbers are not that astronomical, but, like, still, you know, it's it's a guaranteed chunk that's going out the window. You know, I don't think the Bears would want to do that. So, um, yeah, that's my four. I mean, my practice squad guy is probably going to be CJ Marable. I think they run it back with someone with a, with a new face, uh, with someone that's more like creative with the running style. I think I think the chances were there for Ryan All for sure, and I think the chance was there for Artavis Pierce to show something to stay on the roster as like a practice squad player. 
um, or to potentially have uh, protection in the future. Um, but yeah, you know, run it back with a different face. And my guy for that is Seizure Variable. Yeah, that running back room, especially during training camp when that opens up in a couple of weeks here, it's going to be very interesting to watch. And again, the Bears don't report until late July, but someone that's actually reporting two weeks early is going to be Justin Fields. And if I'm looking at the calendar correctly, because I actually have it pulled up on my laptop right now, we know that training camp always starts that last week of July. So this year, they're going to be reporting somewhere between July Sunday, July 25th and Saturday, July 31st. But Justin Fields has kind of made it clear, hey, I want to get there two weeks early, which means he's probably going to be there the week of July 11th, which is pretty much right after 4th of July weekend. Look, Justin spoke to the media for the third time since practicing with the Bears this past Thursday. And one of the big things that he talked about, because I got a chance to attend and obviously listen to what he had to say in the press conference, I mean, Justin talked about how, look, I understand that there is a plan that's in place to develop me and that I'm going to go ahead and we're going to stick to this plan because the coaching staff has laid this plan out so I can be the best possible quarterback on the planet. The way that Justin goes about saying that his saying what's on his mind is you see the calm demeanor, you see who he is, but he kind of got into the, the specifics and there's a couple things that stuck out because he talked about how, Hey, listen, they're teaching me how to call plays into the huddle because at Ohio state, I was looking over to the sideline every single play and I was listening to, or looking at the signals, seeing what was said. Now all of a sudden it's different because I not only have to relay plays into the huddle, I also have to get them in for my headset and then convey them to the rest of the media. And he talks about how he's going to be on vacation, but he's needs to be productive and needs to be doing something. So he's going to be looking over his plays and getting down the verbiage and all that. Another thing that stuck out to me was the coverages. I mean, he was literally talking to bears defensive backs about coverages, calling plays, or figuring out what type of coverage is a certain defensive back in because I need to be in a situation as a quarterback where I need to know exactly what the defensive back is doing in this coverage, why they're doing it that way. What's clear to me is that a lot of rookies, rookie quarterbacks, they, especially with the coverage type stuff, the complex defenses and blitzes and disguises that are thrown at you in the NFL, lots of rookie quarterbacks use film to evaluate and learn that stuff. Whereas with Justin, he's going right to the root of the source and he's pulling these defensive backs aside. And he's saying, hey, tell me what you did on that play because I need to get this down. I want to get it down ASAP. Yeah, absolutely, man. I mean, like, you know, he's a he's a guy that wants to learn. And, you know, I mean, you, have, you just have to admire that, you know. I mean, like, he's okay with the plan. He's okay with Andy Dalton starting week one, which I am too. I don't want to throw my throw Justin Schuyler Fields into the fire that quick, to be honest, guys. I just don't want to. I mean, you know, I'd rather have longevity at the quarterback position rather than a short-term thing. Um, because I don't want Aaron Donald to break his neck. That's one. Um, but not that's going to happen or anything, but it's just, yeah, you never know. Freak injuries in the NFL always happen. You just never know. Um, you know, he also said on uh, with Larry Howley on WGN, I uh, say, if I don't believe in it, then it's not going to work out. So my job's, my job is strictly to get better. 
to be the best quarterback I can be and help my team win. So, you know, like, I mean, like, you know, I'm not saying follow what the Chiefs did with Patrick Mahomes, but what's, what's, what's not, what's wrong and what's wrong in doing that? Like, if you want to sit fields and unleash his potential in 2022, What's wrong in doing that? I'm okay with that. I mean, it's not like Andy Dalton sucks. Like, it's not like he's garbage like Mike Mike Glennon was. Like, you know what I mean? Like, if he can if he can deliver the passes, we need him to because he has familiar in the offense with the coaches and stuff. Like he like like they've said, you know, we haven't seen him take a snap yet, right? So if he can like run the offense at medium speed, like. What's wrong with Justin Fields just sitting there for a little, uh, for, for a little? I mean, like, it's great and stuff that he's uh, he's uh, he's coming to training camp early. I love that, you know. As I said earlier, he wants to learn and stuff, and he's okay with the plan and learn coverages and calling plays in the huddle for the future um, as a Bears quarterback. But like you do that in real game experience, sitting behind someone. You know, that's why Patrick Mahomes got so good. Um, was really, really good at it. You know, he can he can recognize these coverages and he can call audibles. You know, and I want Justin Fields to be like Patrick Mahomes. I want a team to be terrified to be like, oh my God, we're facing Justin Fields, who's averaging thirty to forty points a game plus a top ten defense. Who wouldn't want to be in that situation, man? Soldier Field or whatever field we call it, we decide to call it ourselves in the next four or five years from now, we'll be thumping. Like, it will be earthquake after earthquake after earthquake, man. Like, you know, I want long-term succession, bro. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm derailing off of the whole situation with Justin Fields, but, like, what's the rush? You know? What's the rush, man? Like, do you want – like, I, I understand – Primetime, Sunday Night Football, the Bears, they, they, they drafted Justin Fields, 11th overall, it's going to happen, play. I don't necessarily see it that way. I just don't. Go ahead, you said. Yeah, that, look, I've consistently said this, Justin Fields is not a five-year investment, which is basically his rookie contract. He's a 15- to 20-year investment. Now, if it means losing in 2021, but – after that, winning for the next 20 seasons and being in Super Bowl playoff and Super Bowl contention, mm-hmm. you go ahead and you do it no matter what. And regarding the defense, let's just be honest, man. Looking at this defense, by the time Justin's rookie contract is up, half these starters are not going to be here. That is you just more at that point. So. Right. You're gonna have to you're gonna have to overhaul the defense at some point over the next mm-hmm. two off seasons. But the reality is that half of these guys are not going to be here, especially on the defensive side of the wall. Now, offense, it's a bit different because there is a major youth movement. But look, when I look at this and I look at Justin's development, you talked about the Patrick Mahomes, the Kansas City model. Matt Nagy's referenced that as well. People have to understand, number one, the deal with the Chiefs was this, is that Alex Smith had been in that system for five years prior to Patrick Mahomes being drafted. Travis Kelsey had been there since 2013. Tyree Kill had a year in the system. They also had the opportunity of Alex Smith basically having an MVP-type season with 26 touchdowns, five interceptions, to legitimately hold off Patrick until the very last game of the season. Now, I'm not saying Andy needs to do the same thing, but with Andy Dalton, you're basically asking him at this point, hey, listen, keep this ship afloat. 
enough to the point where we're able to hold off on Justin. Because Andy's job, ultimately, is not just winning games. Andy's job is also going to be holding off fields long enough. And if you're Matt Nagy, you need to go ahead and do that. And I know some people are like, oh, yeah, well, the defense, are you really going to look at them and be like, start Justin? Why would you start Dalton over fields? Look, defense, you also got to understand, you're not doing what's best for one unit. You're doing what's best for the entire franchise. And for the defense, if it means sitting Justin Fields for a year, then it shouldn't be that big of a deal because, like I said, half these defensive starters are not going to be on the roster by 2024. Also, speaking of Fields, Albert Breer from Sports Illustrated came out with a really interesting report, and he talked about how Matt Nagy was going to play Justin Fields more in the preseason. Look, when I look at this report, AJ, let's just be honest. They're not playing Justin in the preseason just for – because backups play in the preseason. Matt Nagy said he's going to play the starters. They're playing Justin in the preseason because that right now, considering the state of things, is as close to an actual NFL football game that we're going to get when it comes to breaking down Justin Fields. The preseason, I get the game is significantly slower, but you're still getting those defensive looks. You effectively are getting an opportunity to really see what, Justin has and doesn't has so that you can tweak your plan moving forward. Yeah. I mean, like, you know, I mean, the whole purpose is to just keep off Justin feels off the field. And, you know, you mentioned the great point that Travis Kelsey was in the system. Uh, Tyree kills in the system. And, you know, Patrick Mahomes had to learn that playbook before um, playing the last game of the season. Right. So, you know, learning it and understanding what Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill did well. And he just replicated it with that. And they formed the big three there in Kansas city. So if we can do that, you know, Alan Robinson has been in the system so far for a year, Cole Komet's been in the system for so far for a year. Right. And Bill Lazor has been an offensive coordinator with Andy Dalton for, I think three years in Cincinnati. Right. So let's let Andy Dalton, like I'm not saying Andy Dalton should be like the starter for 17 games, but let the Bears offense gain some familiarity and let – because Bill uh, Bill, uh, Bill is not going to go anywhere, right? So let Fields during game time experience that familiarity. You know, the play calls that Bill Lazor is calling, let him look uh, stand on the sidelines and look at the coverages on the defense because you learn more when you're on the sidelines, you know, and that's what I think. You know, you don't learn more when you're playing in real time. That's just that's just that's just not how football works. You know, there's a reason why offensive coordinators sit all the way up there in the booth because they like to see how these coverages look. So after the game, they travel back home, they sit just in the field, and this is what we saw upstairs in the booth. Like it's two or three hours tape study, and then they have to get it right the next game six days later. So that's how it works, you know. So it's a step by step situation and understanding um how Justin can take the development week by week. Cause you don't want to put too much on his plate. And, and when the, when it happens and if an injury happens to Dalton the week, the next week, you already put too much on his plate. You already added more on the Friday that all oh, the news came down and he Dalton may not play. So, I mean, like now he has to like process all of it. I'm not saying that like, he's not going to be able to, he's a smart athlete, but, you know, circumstances like that happen, injuries like that happen. And, you know, if Nick Foles is still on the roster, I think they're probably putting Nick Foles in before Justin Fields. Right. 
Yeah, the Nick Foles thing is very interesting because what had happened is this. So, and again, we're recording this on a Tuesday night, but I actually spoke to DJ Bien Ami, who covers the New York Jets for New York Daily News. He's at the Jets facility watching all these practices. And guys, it's going to be a cool YouTube series to keep an eye on because we're bringing on reporters that cover the Jets, the Jaguars, the Patriots, and the 49ers because we want to compare how those rookie quarterbacks are doing to what Justin Fields is doing because we know as Bears fans, you guys are going to compare these guys for years and years and years to come. So just a lot of bonus content. But one of the big things DJ kind of talked about was the fact that the Jets aren't necessarily going to trade for a rookie quarterback just yet. They're going to wait till camp, and if one of these guys on the roster doesn't necessarily show anything because they're going to be going full speed at camp, let's just say Zach Wilson struggled a bit. Maybe at that point they trade for Nick Foles out of desperation, not for him to start, but really for him to kind of be there as a mentor and a sounding board for Zach Wilson because the Jets roster right now, they have Mike White never thrown an NFL pass. They have James Morgan never thrown an NFL pass. Same thing with Zach Wilson. But AJ, before we get out of here, and we know this episode's been shorter, just expect shorter episodes the next like two to three weeks because it is training. It is a slow part of the offseason. Adam Kaplan, he is a national NFL insider. He's just tweeted something that there's optimism about Goldman for training camp, thankfully, though does not explain why he wasn't at OTAs. AJ, there's optimism about Eddie Goldman being at camp. What do you think is going on here? Um, yeah, about Eddie Goldman. I just think that, like, you know, him being, like, you know, a year away from football, boss, it just seems like, you know, maybe the Bears think that he's not healthy enough to be with the rest of the guys. And, you know, the media is going to swallow that up. That's tasty clickbait if the if NFL Network gets their hands on that. You know, like I'm I'm not a verified source, so you can just take my word for it. I mean, crap, I'll, I'll be on NFL Network and say that. But like, that's what I think. You know, I, I don't think he's there yet health wise. And if he was, then he would have, you know, been at um, OTAs and he would have done the drills that they would have wanted him to. But, you know, maybe, you know, him being out of football and he wasn't in shape. And, you know, I think. That's probably they have probably have reason to to be like, all right, you know, maybe we can just like, you know, just take this step by step and just wait till training camp. Because I think I think by then Eddie Goldman's going to show up. Um, I just think that, like, you know, it's more of like, you know, him um, just working out more, probably gaining more muscle, dropping some weights. I'm not I don't think it's anything serious. I think it's just some minor stuff, you know, probably just like gain some flab. And yeah, just wanted to lose it. I think what is is this is that well it, there's a fishy situation going on right now because something's clearly up with Eddie Goldman. I mean, Marquise Goodwin and Damian Williams, running back and wide receiver, they both opted out last year. But hey, listen, they're back. They're practicing. Pretty much, it was considered full speed for this point in the off season. And then you have Eddie, who's you think he's at House Hall, but you're not really sure that he's at House Hall. I think that taking a year off really put things into perspective for him in terms of hey, this is what my life would be like without football, and I've done this for so many years. Do I want to commit now to the constant grind of what would effectively be a 16 or a 17-game season? And also, we don't know if Eddie's vaccinated or not because he opted out last year because of COVID. Now, there are exemptions that the league is going to make for health and safety reasons or religious reasons if a player 
or a coach does not have the vaccine. It could honestly also be that. But I think knowing that Goodwin and Williams are back in practicing, Eddie's not practicing. And that is a big red flag because what if it's something to do with him not being like fully ready to go? Also, because it's the Bears, I liken this to the Trey Burton scenario in 2019 where that offseason, what had happened is... Trey gets hurt. He has the surgery. Then you have Matt Nagy saying, oh, yeah, he's just hurt, you know, but he'll be ready to go. He'll be totally fine. And then all of a sudden, week one rolls around. He's not starting. Week two rolls around. He starts, but he, like, has a major setback. And then all of a sudden, just misses the rest of the season and is in and out of the lineup. I think that this is this could very well turn out to be one of those situations where Matt Nagy's never going to explicitly state, hey, this is what's going on with so-and-so. He's going to kind of keep it under the rug because he doesn't want news getting out. But the fact that there is some optimism about Eddie showing up for camp, and it's not just Adam Kaplan saying this stuff. I mean, Eddie's teammates, you talk to guys like Danny Trevathan and Roquan Smith, they fully seem invested in the fact that Eddie's going to come back. What I also find to be very interesting is the GM Ryan Pace has talked about Eddie being back. Sean Desai's talked about Eddie being back. Matt Nagy's talked about Eddie being back, but who officially has not said, yeah, I'm back? It's Eddie Goldman. I also find it very interesting that the Bears, we know they are basically the media police of the NFL. They have the stingiest media policies. If you hear something, you can report it. If you see something, you can't report it. That is the way it works. It's coming from someone who was credentialed a couple of years ago at Bears camp. But when you look at that, Eddie hasn't stated that he's back. And also, Eddie hasn't even spoken to the media. And yet, most of the Bears beat right now and people that cover the team have been covering the team since the day Eddie got drafted. So you don't see these major beat reporters like Brad Biggs or Dan Reuter or Colleen Kane or Chris Emma or Mark Potash or Mark Grody. A lot of these guys, even my own publisher, Zach Pearson, you don't see these guys ever talking to Eddie at all. But these guys have been there doing it since the day Eddie got drafted. So what is is this is come late July, if Eddie's not there, then you hit the panic button. But for now, let's just be real, dude. Bears fans blew this out of proportion and they're losing their minds over Eddie. But I don't think it's anything to lose your mind over yet. And by the way, the three guys, they signed Jake, but then offensive tackle Tyrone Wheatley and nose tackle Mike Pennell. Those guys are just signings that you're using to beef up competition at the back end of your roster for those positional groups. Yeah. About, I just want to backtrack just a couple of seconds. Eddie's not retiring. Okay. Until a new story comes out that Eddie Goldman's going to retire. I don't want to hear it. Okay. Stop it. Just stop it. I, know I saw a couple of rumblings about that. I don't tweet that much on Twitter anymore. Unless it's something pressing like today I was active, but then I won't be active for the next couple of weeks. Watch. Um, but that's the thing. Like, I don't think he's going to retire. I think, I, I just think he's not there yet in terms of health. Like you said, you say, maybe he's just thinking about like, this is life without football, but like, you know, he's probably going to have to pay back a certain amount of the money that the bears gave him. So, I mean, probably let's just like play out his contract then go. So, <laughs> I mean, you know, so, I mean, like, it's not a contract dispute or anything. If he could just be like, you know, comparing, weighing his options, uh, with football or without football. Um, but then his agent's probably telling him that like, you're probably going to have to give up, give up this much money back to the bears to, you know, like step away from football. 
because they're not going to let you go scotch free. I don't think they would. So, um, but yeah, we'll see what happens with Eddie Goldman. But like, you know, um, another pressing matter about this team is that like, um, uh, we talked about Eddie Goldman. It was another pressing matter. I forgot. We said something about it before I backtracked Eddie Goldman. Probably about the oh yeah the guys, just, okay. the guys they just the guys they just yeah Jake Butt yeah 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 listen I'm gonna give my thoughts on this thing real quick before we get out of here so tight end Jake Butt he was a baller at Michigan people thought there was gonna be some upside then ultimately tore his ACL like twice in four years now going into year five really just a guy that you're bringing in because when you look at the state of the tight end position for the Bears and we'll break down tight ends next week. There's not a lot outside of Jimmy Graham and Cole Komet. Tyrone Wheatley Jr. you're bringing in as depth because you have your starting five set for the offensive line. What you don't have, though, is your depth. And then Mike Pennell, listen, you lost a lot on the defensive line this year, and we'll get to D-line next week. But ultimately, when it comes to the defensive line, you have Akeem Hicks, Eddie Gold. Okay, so you have Akeem Hicks, you have Eddie Goldman for now, you have Bilal Nichols, Mario Edward Jr. is there, Angelo Blackson, not bad, but you also lost Brent Urban and Roy Robertson Harris this offseason. The big question is, can Mike Pennell come in and be serviceable? Because they only got 16 starts in 91 career games played. I mean, like for that, for well, we can save that piece for next week. I'll just say initially, I think Mike Pennell, oh, Mike Pennell could actually you know, be serviceable, maybe. Uh, I'm not sure if he played in 2020, but, you know, I think he played in 2019. Um, let me see. Let me look at his stats real quick. Um, like, I know he played in 2020, but, like, you know, like, he could be that rotational type guy, in my opinion. Um, oh, it's Mike Pennell. I said Chris Pennell. Wow. I, I butchered his name, bro. I'm just... So in 2020, he had 29 combined tackles and 16 assists. In 2019, he had uh, 24 combined and 16, oh no, 11 assists and one sack. So like, yeah, uh, not much of an impact, but I think more of like a rotational piece. But then again, you got, you signed Angelo Blackson, Bilal Nichols. Well, you didn't sign Bilal Nichols, he's just been there. Uh, Keem Hicks, Eddie Goldman, if he comes back, me at Kyrus Tonga. Where does he really fit? I'm not sure. Um, so, uh, I don't know. I don't think he makes, I don't think any of the guys that we signed him in can't make the team, to be honest. Sorry. Like Jake, yeah. but I don't know. I don't know if he can make the team. I, don't, I think the Bears are going to be more concerned about his health than anything. Yeah, I'm just going to say how it is, man. I mean, a lot of the, this year, a lot of the, Back and roster spots, the depth, they are really ultimately at the end of the day, they are complete toss-ups, whereas in years past, we would have been able to look at it and say, hey, listen, this is when we are going to go ahead and um, be able to, or these are the players that are going to make the roster. But hey, listen, guys, we know this was a shorter episode, but we're going to get out of here. Listen, you can follow me on Twitter, YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok at Usain Kosho. Follow AJ on Twitter at AJ Desai 4 We're going to get our betting page going here in a couple weeks. We're rebranding that. AJ is going to oversee that. Keep an eye out for that. But then follow Fireside Bears on Twitter, YouTube, Facebook, TikTok, and Instagram at Fireside Bears. Make sure you check out the 
um, interview with DJ Bienemy. He's a Jets beat writer for New York Daily News. So a lot of good stuff there comparing Zach Wilson to Justin Fields, as well as what the Jets' entire process was compared to a team like the Bears. But that's going to do it from us this week, guys. Good morning, good evening, and good night, wherever you may be. Have a great rest of your week, Bears fans. As always, bear down and stay safe. And thank God that we drafted Justin Scholar Fields.